This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. Today we have George Whitney with us, and we're going to be discussing a lot of different things today and kind of the state of emergency management and kind of the direction, and also a lot about what George does with his uh, his company, his consulting company in the software. So George, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into emergency management? I got into emergency management quite by accident. I was uh, working in Hawaii after the uh, Iniki storm in 92. I, had a, I, I was having a good time over there, meeting a lot of neat people, working on some neat projects, really getting a feel for what disasters look like on the ground. And, but I had a, a couple few weeks between different projects throughout the year. So I called up Region 9, spoke, happened to speak to, I think her name was Suzanne Mooney, and Joe Rodriguez, and this is going way back, but uh, they they kind of GS-15s, big shots in Region 9, and they had said, hey, we don't have time right now. Let us send you an application. Fill it out. And, you know, and I thought, hey, whatever. So I got the application, filled it out within – Oh, I don't know. I'd say four weeks or so. I had uh, I, I'd been asked to go down to the police department and get fingerprinted. I got a phone call about uh, my background in the Air Force, and a, like two weeks later, I got a diners club card and a federal ID in the mail. Never met anybody. A couple three days later, maybe they called up and said, "Can you be in Kansas City, Missouri at 6 a.m.?" I showed up, old style CPO central processing office where you meet. A leader at the in the parking lot. You go through an armed guard because there, there was cash that they paid people at the time. You walk. We walked down two or three stories of steps, and we found ourselves in a World War II era morgue in downtown Kansas City. And I worked there for six weeks. As I thought of thinking, I was a volunteer. I had actually packed jeans and boots, and you know, planned to fill sandbag uh, during the first deployment in '93, uh, the Great Midwest Flood. And you know, when I found out I wasn't a volunteer. Like I said, about six weeks into it, I, I was like, "Man, people get paid to do this." <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I'm I'm doing it for free, and I love it. So, uh, you know, being able to make a career out of, career out of it just looked like a great idea. Hey, that's a nice surprise that you go in thinking it's going to be volunteer, and you start getting paid. You know, it, it, it was it was. It was truly fun, you know, and it's it, every single – and I've been on so many different types of deployments. I've been a local, state, federal emergency manager and spent time in the private sector too. Um, it's, uh, it's those early sort of simple exposures, I think, that you, you know, remember the most. The, the family that you got out of the car, they got housing, so they got, you know, a chance to sleep somewhere other than the car. Right. Uh, that, those are, I mean, rescuers in you know have those memories about pulling people out of cars and buildings and that sort of thing too. It's same same thing for us, I guess. I agree with you. You know, it's funny as as I teach at uh, Coastline Community College and uh, in the recovery aspect of it, and and I think recovery actually is like one of the hardest jobs to to do in, in EM because uh, it takes such a long time to do it. You know, forever. I mean, look at Katrina; we're still recovering technically from that, right? But I, I tell the guys once the lights and sirens are stopped and the, the you know the cool 
school fire trucks and police cars are back in their barns and back at their stations, that's when the, the work of recovering and, and emergency management really comes in. And that's when we really touch people. And I think that's a really important aspect of, a, of our job. So I'm going to ask you two two questions, and they're, they're kind of back-to-back on similar but a little bit different. Number one is where do you think emergency management is most effective, like what department or role should they play? And the second thing, what do you think the biggest is the biggest challenge that you see now uh, in emergency management? Wow. Uh, let me start with the second one first. I think, I, you know, I've been in this profession almost 25 years, and I don't think we're any further along in answering the question that we were asking back then, what is an emergency manager and what do they do? You know, we've got, we've got standards that, that have taken a great deep look at what emergency managers do and how they might do it and what they might submit and what capabilities they should be able to demonstrate in a disaster. But we really, we really haven't done a good job of defining what an emergency manager is and what constitutes success. So I, I think that's still the biggest sort of challenge. And until we understand that and all the things that come with that, you know, the, the being sort of lower in the food chain in a city or county or state, but having to coordinate leadership from different departments and sort of deal simultaneously in the operations and political realms, hmm. right? But, but you know, until we, we're not going to answer those questions until we define what success is or, you know, come to a better way of doing those things. Uh, in terms of the models, let's see, I've seen emergency managers like at the state level under public safety, you know, sort of general public safety under uh, law enforcement, under the governor's office, under the adjutant general. I think the last time I, I saw it, there were a, a third of the agencies were reporting to an adjutant general at the state level. Wow. A third or, or more were reporting to governors, and there were another third that were, um, you know, reporting to like secretaries for department and that's or for transportation and those sort of things. So uh, we we still have various models, and those varieties I think sort of uh, replicate down to the local level where you even see them. Uh, several programs put into health departments and mm-hmm. health and EM departments combined with EMS and all that. Let's see. So I don't know that any one of them is more effective than the other as long as the host, you know, the, the superior department, the host department uh, really understands what needs to be done. I, I don't I don't want to make a generalization about all fire and law departments, but but typically and I'll say probably better than 50% of the time, when you see an emergency management program put in a law and fire agency, they tend to take on what fire and law think those positions should be, either primarily a cert coordinator or, you know, sort of an extension of the volunteers and policing thing and working on, you know, a search and rescue and you know, sort of more law enforcement things. You don't find as many programs that are focused on large-scale risk management, mitigation, preparedness, response, recovery, that sort of thing. One of the cities where uh, I'm at, out here in, in the L.A. County, the EM department is a part-time position, and it falls under their HR department. And I'm really kind of confused why it's there, and I really can't get an answer for it. But that's kind of kind of kind of throws me for a loop on that one. I don't see too many of those, but I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. So. 
And, and that aspect of it, so the challenges that you're saying, realistically, is that we aren't defined. I mean, I know we're fairly new. We're FEMA, was, you know, Jimmy Carter put FEMA in on the on the on it, and I know that we came from our uh, our background is really kind of the nuclear age type thing with the civil defense, but we right. really haven't defined ourselves from there. What, what do you think we could do as a profession? Are we still arguing that point at the like IAM, or, or you know, are, are they defined what we're at right now? I mean. Do we even know what we want to be? Yeah, um, I I don't know. Again, sort of starting backwards here. Um, I think I think we need to do more of what we're doing now. It, you know, and by what we're doing now, I mean uh, defining the standards, having institutes of higher education help us, you know, do some research and help us define things, and maybe bring people up with a better head start than some of us old timers had. Right. 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 It, yeah. So again, I think it's doing. It's doing more of the same, but we need to, you know, I blogged about it somewhere uh, a while ago about how we've evolved from different agencies. We've had so many different influences in our organization. Just, I mean, off the top of my head, you know, we got started with uh, Three Mile Island and guess, right. you know, and then it was, you know, Sarah Title Three and all that LEPC stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, then, it, then it was uh, general emergency management, you know, sort of natural hazard stuff because we had a few of those. Then it was, then we got pulled toward OJP at the federal level and domestic preparedness after Oklahoma City and uh, Ruby Ridge and Waco, right? Right. And then 2001 happens at 9-11. And, you know, most people know the story after that. And, you know, but even digging deeper into the creation of DHS after 9-11, we had huge – I mean, I'll just be honest about it. There, th that, that fight that happens – excuse me, that uh, polite struggle that happens at local, <laughs> state, and federal level for money uh, and influence between jurisdictions, right, the reasons why sheriffs and police chiefs – uh, you know, sometimes like to get um, the emergency management program so they can have better influence over grant investment decisions, right? right. We, we, those struggles, you see them at all levels of government. And early after 2001, and it started before, but you saw it intense after 9-11, when DHS stood up, you saw the fire service introduce um, NIMS with, a, with two eyes. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, and before that, you had law enforcement, particularly the FBI, sitting down and making the distinction between crisis and consequence management, which, you know, is a nice way of saying stay out of our business. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I mean, unified command is only going to go so far. We're incident command when it comes to crisis. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, and then we saw – I mean, I went to – sorry, this is a more involved answer than you wanted probably. But I, I was involved in uh, helping to finish up the target capabilities list, and FEMA rented the, the Hilton, the conference room at the D.C. Hilton. There, I counted over 200 agencies that were sort of plying for influence in the way <laughs> emergency management was defined. We're not we're – not, we're going to get better if we continue to do the things that we're doing. We're not going to get better until we, until we get serious about all agreeing on one thing. Right. When, when I get online and I see emergency managers tear each other down, I mean, that's what they're doing. Right. And, and I, I think that kind of stuff holds us back. I also like, you know, the forum that you just launched mm -hmm. and, and, you know, guys like me who podcast and blog and do other things because we're getting – people to talk about stuff that emergency managers haven't talked about and need to talk about if they're going to get better or if we're going to get better. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. It's funny you talk about the the NIMS and the SIMS and the ICS and, you know, Unified Command versus Instant Command. And uh, I remember we had a fire out here, a pretty large fire going on. And, you know, they they, they come out and they announced that they had Unified Command. And so the fire chief comes out and he says, we are Unified Command and I am the Incident Commander. And I started laughing. I'm like, well, it doesn't really work that way, chief, but okay. Uh, That's what we'll call it. But, uh, yeah, we didn't even know our own nomenclature at times, you know. No, it just you know we're talking different words, and I know we're trying to do better on that, but hopefully someday we got, we'll. We, we, Tom, we got a ways to go. You know, I was talking with a really sharp guy that's a that's a I don't I don't know if he's ready for me to call him out on this, and but he deserves all the credit for this. But to kind of give you one glimpse of a oh man, are we really still there yet? He was telling me that like just in the last few months, he's been talking to local state and federal agencies about figuring out ways that we can deal with with hazmat responses right believe it or not i mean what it's 2017 believe it or not under state and federal statute state and federal incident commanders come into a local government and say we've got it and there isn't a formal place on the ics org chart for local for a local government rep other wow. than you know the generic liaison role. Well, that's going to cost. That, <laughs> that's amazing, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so glad we got people paying attention to that and and helping us to fix it. But I mean, that's that's an indication we've got some we got some more work to do. Oh yeah, for sure. I went through a debriefing on the um, uh, was it the Clearwater the the uh, oh, the, the Horizon. It's Clearwater Horizon, right? I'm like, Deepwater Horizon. Deep Horizon. Twenty ten, right? Yeah, Deepwater Horizon. I can't believe I screwed that name up. But anyway, I went through the debriefing on this, and it was uh, they showed the org chart. And it was, I don't know, zero font uh, on the uh, PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and you have just so many boxes. I'm like, holy crap, how is that an ICS organizational chart? It's like, it's like holy smoke. But there were, that was how crazy it was. And the guy was talking about how people didn't even know who was in charge of what over there at one point, you know. And, and so our, all of our, you know, we're trying hard. And, and, you know, the public doesn't understand that we're trying hard. But I know that we all do. And we do have to give each other uh, a break sometimes when things go not as by the book as most people think it should be but but uh, but I also think we need to be hard on ourselves too like um take AARs for example right after action reports mm-hmm. well, I mean and it's not just us but there are very few agencies that really do those things the way they're supposed to be done you know I hear I hear people say things still like I don't want to exercise cuz then people will see how bad we are or oh, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, they don't, or I don't want to examine what went wrong because then we could be sued for it, or we might be, uh, you know, criticized. I, if, as long as we look at things like that, we're not going to. There's no way we can solve the. I mean, isn't step one admit you have a problem? Yeah. Yes. I was, I was doing some consulting work for a company and uh, we were doing some stuff and I put down, you know, some of the, uh, uh, issues found. And the the guy told me, he goes, uh, you can't put that in the report. Uh, and, I, and I go, well, well, why? And I don't want to say what it was, but it was more about an alarm, a fire alarm type thing. And, and I go, well, why? I said, this is what we found. This is, you know, this is the issues that we found. And he's like, yeah, but if somebody found that report, we'd get sued. I'm like, then fix it. 
You know, that's what you're afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Mitigate the issue. This is what we're looking for here, you know? But and yeah. it's to- it's totally a person problem too, right? It's not a system problem. It's a person problem. I was in I was in an EOC during a, a functional exercise. Like, so all the seats were filled. Uh, and, and this is no small city. Um, but, but we were in there, and uh, there were 50 people in this room. And most of them were watching the – and I was there uh, taking pictures and stuff and talking to folks and uh, offering opinions. And I, I was standing next to a young lady who got up on a chair and stood high on a chair that swiveled oh with gosh. very few feet, leaning over to put something on uh, a whiteboard. And, I mean, there were 50 <laughs> people in that room, and I'm betting 35 were watching her do this. <laughs> And somebody came up to me and said, you didn't take a picture of that, did you? Oh, man. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, we, it's, it's across the board. Um, I have a friend of mine who works for a large university here in Southern California, and um, yesterday they were doing a, a fire drill. Building evacuation. I don't know if it was a fire drill or not, but they were evacuating all the buildings simultaneously at uh, six o'clock at night, and because they really don't do it in the evening. And he said his administrator comes over to him and says, "Hey, there's, you know, if we're doing it at six o'clock at night, there's not going to be any of the administrative staff here. You know, how's that going to go?" And he says, "That's exactly why I'm doing it. I need to know how it's going to function when you guys aren't here. You know." And he goes, "Don't worry about it." He goes, "It's a drill. This is what we're here trying to find what our problems are." But it's, I, I just, it's, I love it how people always want to make sure that that drill is perfect. You know, and and doesn't uh, go sideways, and that's not the whole purpose of why we do these drills. So yeah, we we could spend a whole hour probably talking about exercise design and stuff. But you know, one of the things that I I hate most about going to exercises is when people either program them exercise designers program people just to never win. It's it's whatever they call it, the Kobayashi Maru, right? You can't right. win it, or they make it so easy that literally all you have to do is show up and you know sign in sheet. These right. these things should be challenging. We and we should be we should be building proficiency and confidence, you know, as we gain that proficiency, and we should be identifying every single time something that we can do better. Yeah, more than just communications. I, whenever we do the hot wash, or, you know, I always I stand up and I go, okay, we already know communication is a problem. Okay, that's on the board. Now let's talk about other things. Right. And let's take a quick commercial break. We'll see you on the other side. If you're trying to reach people in the emergency management and response space, EM Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we are bringing in guests from around the world to talk about best practices and trends in emergency management and response. We also have the blog on EM Weekly's website and the EM Quarterly e-magazine. For more information, please email brian at brian at emweekly.com. Are you ready for the unthinkable? Call our friends at High Speed TACMED. They provide custom emergency planning and training that saves lives. With years of experience in law enforcement, search and rescue, responding to and managing large-scale incidents, HSTM will evaluate and prepare written plans, training sessions, drills, and debriefs, leaving you with the necessary tools and experience that can save lives. Call HSTM today to discuss your specific needs, and the staff of High Speed TACMED will help ensure that you're ready and are in complete compliance. Call High Speed TACMED today, 805-419-0024. Again, that's 805-419-0024. The friendly staff at HSTM is standing by. Emergencies happen. 
whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple to use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. Okay, so let's change gears here for a minute because this is the important thing here for me. Is and tell me a little bit about your company and what you guys do, and then um, how you your company affects emergency management. All right, so uh, there's a there's kind of a longer story behind it. I'll try to make it short, but you know, I I spent a good portion of my career working at the local, state, and federal level as a government emergency manager, and I'd done you know everything from you know, show up expecting to fill sandbags to actually filling sandbags to, you know, I did almost two years, I think, as a acting undersecretary in the state of California at OES. People like me, and I'm a little, uh, I guess, strange in that regard. I, I, I never pictured myself being in government for an entire career. And, you know, the longer I stayed, the more I found out that, you know, I felt like I was being uh, held responsible, you know, and given charge of things that were broken that just that nobody would allow to be fixed. So I said, you know, I, I want to be someplace where I can fix things. I went in the corporate world, did some consulting, did a lot of did some stuff for FEMA as a consultant and big agencies and you know UASIs uh, and focus on a bunch of different things. But uh, and and got to work on some really really neat programs. But you know, again, it was like it, there was something. Missing. I, one of the things as a consultant, I think that we that that uh, generally we hate is, you know, y you get called in to do a job and you do that job, you put your heart and soul into it, and then they're like, okay, and they put it on the shelf, mm -hmm. and they, and you know they never read it. So that was kind of you know why I, I didn't find total satisfaction there. So I said, hey, you know, I did a little bit of research, thought about it a, a, quite a while, and I said, and there's. 23,000 uh, local jurisdictions in the United States, uh, and most of them uh, don't have viable emergency management programs. And I think, you know, I, I reason from my experience that, you know, we just, we've made emergency management way too difficult. Mm -hmm. If we've, we've got to build uh, program support tools that fit in an organization, you know, that is, I don't know, 10,000 miles or whatever however big a county is in land area and has like you know 10 20 60 1000 people and one emergency manager and and not gear these things not develop support at the state and federal level that you know a team of 20 couldn't do with millions of dollars right uh, so so I sat down and I said listen what is it that emergency managers have to, to have to do and I, I found myself asking the question, damn it, we, we haven't answered that question about what constitutes success. So me and a few folks who have worked in the program management, strategic planning, sort of performance metrics things related to emergency management, we sat down and we said, hey, we can define what emergency management success is. And as it turns out, it's about 150 different things. So 
we started with the we started developing simple assessment tools where people can figure out where their program's at across these the spectrum of 150 things that really need to get done. And then we saw opportunities to add other tools that would help, tools that would help people develop priorities, develop a strategic plan, develop and execute annual work plans, manage budgets, uh, project management stuff. And then, you know, and we, we kind of like, like, wow, we're coming into all these sort of opportunities to help people manage programs better. But what's the other half of their problem? Emergency managers, when they do set down to do an, uh, an, like an EOP rewrite, they, they typically take 12 to 18 months. And that's mm-hmm. way too long. So then we spent some time engineering what, how emergency managers could get that work done quicker. So when, at the end of, I don't know, about a year and a half of R&D and testing and all that stuff, we, we came out with a suite of tools that essentially it, it has about 45 different tools in it. It, it uh, put, creates a one-page dashboard so people can see at a glance where their program is. And then it's got some tools in there to help develop some of the critical documents, uh, EOPs, SOPs, CoopCogs, LHMPs, etc., and does it in a way that dramatically reduces the amount of time an emergency manager has to put in to you know documents. In some cases, we've got people uh, drafting good exercise plans in less than an hour and putting wow. first first drafts of EOPs together in four hours. So that's that's that. But really what we want to do, like overall, is give emergency managers a chance at winning in this job by, by getting a good portion of those 150 things done. And, you know, with that sheer number of things to do and the limited resources that you have, you, you just have to be as efficient about it as you can. So, you know, as a business, because I, I haven't found a way to do this effectively as a nonprofit, but as a business, we wanted to focus on you know, the, I guess, smaller two-thirds of the country emergency management programs that really, really want to evolve, but aren't quite sure how. That's awesome. That's some really, really good stuff right there. Wow. Um, I'm, now I want to go in and, and buy your software and start using it with uh, my students, you know. It might be something that they could, they could really learn from. So what, what do you think you project as far as, uh, you know, getting out there? How many people have you touched so far with this, uh, with this software? Oh, well, in terms of subscribers, I have to look because we have an e-commerce capability where people can just go to the site and, and load it up. But we're in dozens of jurisdictions now. Okay. And, and um, you know, and as far as touching folks go, gosh, I wish there was a better word for that. Um, we, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh, you're so right because this sounds bad. We, okay. <laughs> we talk with a bunch of folks, um, but you know, we know because I mean because we're all emergency managers except for the hardcore software developers that work for me. Uh, you know, we know that that the, not every emergency management program is ready to take the step. So you know, when I talk with folks and I get a chance to talk with them because I, I do work for IAEM on committees and, you know, I go to conferences and I, I do keynotes at state association meetings and stuff like that. You get around, you talk to people, um, you, you got to find out where they're at first. If, if for example, you know, we, we you run into the emergency manager that's like, yeah, I'm kind of held hostage in this other department and they got me doing this, you know, one or two things, I, you know, you don't, they have no need for a comprehensive program management tool. Right. 
right? But but if you you know the people that we love to talk to are the people where you know because we can help them is the people are the people that say um, you know I'm I'm new to this or I've been doing this a while we've had a change in leadership they're giving me a little bit of latitude to do something a little bit differently but I don't know where to go next or I have a lot of ideas and I don't know how to balance all of them that those are the folks that you know are ready to move forward. Well, good. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you are able to, to break into some more bigger places, and you know, just so you can get this going. Because I really do think that that type of software is definitely needed. I, I've been that guy who sat there and had a project, and you're going, "Oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this?" You know, and it does take you a long time. I have rewritten yeah. EOPs. Um, you, you know, it's, it's nice to, to look at, you know, ideas from other people. But I don't. I'm not a guy who can do a control H and change, you know. X jurisdiction to my jurisdiction and say, oh, there's my plan because it's just not the way it works, you know, at least effectively. Yeah, I'm glad that you're out there and doing this. Yeah, and I, um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I got to a point in consulting that I interviewed clients before <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't want to deliver strategic plans that people wouldn't, you know, it was just a deliverable for their grant program or, you know, to put on their uh, – their, their web page, but didn't really want to use it. You got you to be really careful about, I guess, spending time with folks that uh, really don't want help. Right, right. That's so true. All right, George, one more, one more question, a little, little twist here. This is the question I'm asking all of my guests. Uh, what is the number one book, or two or three, but what's the book that you would give away to a new person who is entering the field of emergency management? Oh, gosh. Um you know, it, it really depends on the the uh, the time of year, the interest. Uh, sort of, you know, if you you're, if you're in emergency management long enough, you see the same things come back around. I think the one that I'm thinking of the most, and there's a lot of great books out there. I, so I can't be fair to to like the good ones. All I can tell you is what's like on my mind uh, today, uh-huh. <laughs> and that is um, a book that that my boss handed me back in. 97 maybe uh, and I can't gosh I can't remember the title but it's by Peter Senge and he basically he basically lays out defines and helps you sort of figure out and manage creative tension because uh, you know throughout my career and hopefully I got better at it as I uh, got as I stayed in it longer but you know I I couldn't completely ever get over that tension that's created when bureaucracies compete to provide public service or to gain grant funds or that sort of thing. And for an emergency manager who feels embattled, who uh, you know has to pull teeth or cajole or beg or whatever for departments to participate, that book gosh, I can't remember the, the title. I'll give it to you later if you want. Um, it really I think puts can put people at comfort, um, being comfortable with the idea that tension, some amount of tension in relationships, is uh, not only okay but can be helpful. Would it be the fifth discipline? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's actually a really good book. That's really that's that's actually a really good. You're right. It is something that that's one thing I, I I talk to people about too, especially my students, and when they talk about you know, books and stuff. I, I really push them a lot to some of these leadership books and business management books because in the at the end of the day, as an emergency manager, emergency coordinator, uh, whatever title that you want to put in that aspect, it's about bringing diverse groups of people together and making them get to one 
perspective goal. And so I think, yeah, I think you're right with that book. That's a really good, that's a good one there. You know, I, I don't want to be too cliche, but, uh, you know, the, Simon Sinek's making a, a, a rounds around the Internet. And he's got, you know, while a lot of his stuff is, you know, none of it is specific to emergency management, the whole idea of asking why, mm-hmm. or why, why am I doing this? You know, why do I need this relationship? Why am I doing? Why you know? Why am I doing things this way? That's a, that's a lot of value there. There's a lot of value there. You're absolutely correct. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. You know, and at the bottom of the uh, of the of the on our show notes here, we're going to put your your information. So, can you tell us if somebody wants to get a hold of you? How would we get a hold of you? Oh, best way to reach us here is complete dash em dot com and you can find us uh, with some variation of that spelling uh, or name at uh, Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn, George Whitney at LinkedIn, and you find Complete EM at Twitter, and yeah, that's where we spend most of our time. Awesome! Thank you so much for being here, and uh, you have a wonderful day. Thanks, Todd, and, and that was fun, and, and good luck with your show. 